0: Public policy and legislation across the globe regulate and restrict technology in countless ways, yet the laws of technology itself are few, and even among those, most are not well known. Welcome to CCC's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. Melvin Kranzberg, an American academic whose field was the history of technology, created just six laws of technology nearly 35 years ago. The most essential of Kranzberg's laws is the first one. Technology is neither good nor bad, nor is it neutral. The emergence in our time of enormously powerful computing technology has moved the concept of artificial intelligence out of science fiction and into commercial and cultural fact. AI is building a strong presence in the scholarly publishing industry, where there are now many new AI-related initiatives, products, and services. These opportunities challenge us to consider ethics as applied to AI uses within publishing. On Thursday at the Frankfurt Book Fair this week, I will moderate a Frankfurt Studio panel discussion, AI Solutions Trained with Your Content. Court decisions, regulation, and legislation will ultimately create the legal guardrails for protecting copyrighted content from unchecked infringement. In the meantime, debate over any limits to be placed on training LLMs must address concerns over equity, Quality, Transparency, and Authenticity. In 2019, at the STM Association's Frankfurt Conference, I spoke with Carlo Scolo and Niels Peter Thomas about publishing industry initiatives under development even then to govern AI and use the technology for the benefit of scientific research. Carlo, I'd like to open with you STM has been on this story for for some time, and indeed, uh, looking back to a future lab, uh, I believe in 2018, you identified that the future reader, or the reader of the future rather, is a machine, and and that was the the, the starting point for some of the work you're doing. So tell us about that.
1: So already starting back in 2017, 2018, at the STM, we found that it is necessary to break this down a little bit and unpack and look, what what does it mean for publishers? We have to realize that for the foreseeable future, it's about data and quality data and whether publishers can be perceived as partners to make this data available because the entire AI world is really a development now on Big data and big computing power. The algorithms have been around for 40, 50 years. That's not new. What's really new is the capacity to harness data and a further avalanche of data is coming towards us in any case that will swamp all discussions, at least that's my prediction, whether subscription or open access will be all about data then. We've broken this down to four areas. How does AI help publishers to do a better job in-house, so to speak, uh, back office, even though back office doesn't really exist anymore, a digital company. But uh, second, how can can AI help to um, make the content that publishers sell more valuable or offer? And uh, thirdly, are there specific skills in organizing content, in in, in in curating content that publishers can actually extend. And AI may, in fact, become the main thing that publishers of the future will do. And indeed, maybe the reader of the future is perhaps an machine.
0: Well, expand on that point, because this is an area that publishers already have some expertise in, right? That is curating, organizing data, information. And so this is a natural progression of that work.
1: Correct. So... Uh, Data, um, in in German we have this word called data salad. It's basically an assortment of, I suppose, a haystack that is unusable of data. So what you really need to do a successful AI project is organize the data, prepare it. I'm sure we will hear more about this, so that it can be used for machine learning, for reinforced learning, uh, directed learning, for testing, for verifying, for uh, de-biasing all the things that need to happen so that a artificially intelligent entity that perceives the world effectively using data as their map of the world um, so that they are not uh, ending up <coughs> with misguided results. Talk
0: about the role that publishers can play in helping to address those concerns around trustworthy data and the, and the, the, the danger if that's not done.
1: For people to trust... AI advances and AI tools to use then they need, there needs to be transparency there needs to be clarity as to the provenance of the data used if I'm being accepted or rejected as a uh, patient in a hospital in a decision tool situation I need to be able to trust this decision similarly for uh, um, a hiring situation if, uh, if if the person making the triage is in fact the machine, I want to be sure there are no unfair biases that um, based on historical data that this machine is going to use. So I think publishers will have a great role to assure that the data used to train machines before they are let loose, so to speak in the wild um, is uh, is correct and also to almost become escrow agents for the log entry effectively of the data that the machine generates while it is running. We've been using almost interchangeably Ethics and law and
0: legislation, and for many they are more or less the same, but they are different and important distinctions are there. Draw those out because, as I understand it, ethics are guides and principles and the legislation that comes are the sort of commandments of the society. Why is it important to develop perhaps some kind of ethical principles first before that
1: legislation should come? Um, I think it's not necessarily a question of first and before and after, but um, h- human activity and also technology is simply so multifaceted that uh, laws alone will never be able to capture entirely um, the the attitude ultimately that um, people have to, the professionalism people have to put into developing high-quality artificial intelligence tools. You, 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 uh, So almost like the the financial markets, you can have laws galore, but at the end of the day, the ethics of the financial advisors uh, are secured through professional standards and ethical rules of those financial advisors. I think it's the same here. Well, well, Niels Peter Thomas, at Springer
0: Nature, you confronted these issues, particularly the ethical issues, uh, head on with this project that was announced uh, last spring. Uh, A book published, an e-book published, uh, I think I have the title right, Lithium-Ion Batteries, a Machine-Generated Summary of Current Research. It was research that, uh, or at least the project, I should say, was conducted in partnership with uh, uh, Frankfurt, uh, Goethe University, so, so one that's very local as much as it is of global interest. Um, and it was a project that took, as I understand it, something like 18 months from, from start to publication. Um, were you thinking about these ethical issues? When did you begin thinking about them? And what were some of the, the questions that came up in your meetings?
2: Actually, Carla was referring to the machine as a reader of the book. And, and we, we tried it to look at it um, from the other side the machine as a creator of knowledge, the machine as an author, as a writer. Of, of books. So we, we actually did it. So half a year ago, we published this book. And it was actually an idea that was born exactly two years ago at Frankfurt Book Fair when I was um, standing together with colleagues thinking, is that actually possible? And we thought, we, sh- we thought it through, and we thought it takes at least one and a half years, and, and in the end, it was exactly the time we needed. But for, for us, it was from the beginning, it was very clear that this is only half a very important challenge in terms of technology. How do we master to really, um, as you said, um, bring the data together, um, let the machine learn, produce something really meaningful? Um, because our ambition was that the chemist, um, chemistry community should say, this is useful for us, we, we need it, so um, we want to read it. It, it must be a humanly human-readable, machine-written book. So that was our ambition. And we thought from the beginning we want to be first, because we, we believe we it should be a publisher who does it first and not a tech giant, because exactly we said um, we want to make it very transparent from the beginning and say this is exactly... Um, what the machine can do right now. This is the state of technology as of today. We need to start a discussion on the ethical aspects of it and the responsibility. So we made it very transparent in the book um, that, um, there, that what the limitations of the technology are. And it, I mean, this is our first attempt, and the community gave us very positive um, feedback to it, but it's far from being perfect. And now we need to really think about this other half of the challenge, which is really a legal challenge. What happens if somebody um, infringes the copyright of this book, whose rights actually are violated? I mean, these are very new questions that we have to ask. But then also, who takes, um, who takes the responsibility? What if the machine summarizes something where we say, this is inappropriate, how do we do it? But also very practical issues of um, what we know um, is in our industry the standard, uh, like peer review, we can't go back to the machine and say, please redo Chapter 3. We don't like it um, uh, right now. Yeah, it will be the exactly same outcome. So we need to really negotiate new standards. And I believe we need to do this not um, as a single publisher, but we need a new um, idea in, in the whole industry. And so this is why I very much welcome the initiative here to bring this together, because I think these ethical and these responsibility standards that we need to develop are at least as big as a challenge as the technolo- uh, technological challenge is and was
0: right it raises so many questions uh, uh, and one though is fundamental which is what does it mean to be a publisher and you you the idea the notion that one can be a publisher by pressing a button seems to be somehow contrary to what we all feel
2: yeah it's a, i think um, as a um, as the managing director for books for springer nature it's a very compelling idea yeah um, if we don't need any authors anymore, maybe we don't need any editors anymore, <laughs> if we can do it all by the machine. But this, of course, will not happen. Yeah? So this is, a, um, as we very transparently say in the subtitle, it's a machine-generated summary of existing, of current research. So we are, we are producing a new perspective, but we are not producing, um, in, in, the, um, in, a, in a technical term, we are not producing new knowledge. Um, but for readers who have no time to read all the to 10,000 articles that are somehow summarized in, in, in such a book, um, if you don't have that much time, and most of us um, haven't, then um, it creates a new perspective. So it is kind of a new um, view and a bias-free summary of existing research, um, which is then almost by the push of a button to be created. And that gives us a completely new role. That's true. Yeah? Right. And we have to think about, do we want this role? Can we take this role? Should we? Or should we involve more um, experts, more authors to, to check it, to correct it? Should it be our responsibility? Is it the responsibility of a reviewer of the community? I think these are very, very important questions, but there is no final answer to them.
0: Right, and, and player pianos and phonograph records didn't uh, you know, uh, do away with concert uh, pianists either, so it, uh, there is an example for us of, of where they add to, they are supplemental. And to the point about it, perhaps we need to tell people a bit more about the book, it is, it's a collection of work, it has, it has gathered uh, information on, I believe, thousands of articles. Is that right? Tell us
2: more. Well, I mean, I, I I cannot go too deep into the technology because, in the end, it's um, indeed quite complicated. But the basic idea is that we show to an, to a pipeline of algorithms everything that we have published in a certain discipline in the last, um, let's say, five years or so. In this case, it was everything about lithium-ion batteries, everything about electrochemistry. So there are between five and ten thousand articles. Um, Book chapters, um, database entries and so on that we show to the, to the algorithm. Then the algorithm clusters them and says there are certain areas where there is more published knowledge about certain areas where, where we don't know much about it. And then after this clustering, there is one human interaction. This is basically, um, a figure that we give to the algorithm. We want to see this book in 250 pages and we want four chapters. That's, what what humans need to say, and then the algorithm creates um, a table of content by um, selecting the the appropriate clusters and bringing them together to super clusters um, in order to say what do we want to um, bring here together. So there is one chapter about anodes, one about cathodes, one about um, data models, and so on. So um, this is all done by the algorithm. And then the algorithm um, looks at what is uh, published in this cluster, um, looks at certain measures, Um, What is important, what is less important, where where do we have more knowledge um, um, according to specific parameters, um, what seems to be more important to the community and what not, and then um, extracts the most important facts um, and and, uh, texts, parts of the original works, of course properly cites it, so my legal colleagues um, (laughs) assured me that we are not um, infringing copyright here, but then... um, It is all summarized uh, summarized by the machine and then there's some semantic parsing and some, um, um, and we then, um, change the size of the text so we, we, we bring it together, um, so that in the end you have a text with some direct quotes but uh, mostly texts or sentences that, um, are not in the original works but are combined knowledge of, um, of the different, um, sources um, of, of uh, the content that we showed to the algorithm in the first
0: place. Um, but I believe a, a, a librarian came to you and, and uh, raised some, some alarm bells, or raised some red flags, I should say, uh, regarding the potential here for abuse. And, and uh, just tell us about that.
2: I mean, when we, when we published it, it was really our um, intention to start a discussion on the consequences and to start a discussion on how do we control this technology in the end. Um, and since then we are discussing it with lots of librarians and indeed one librarian um came to me and said um it's really very fascinating it's very interesting i i support the idea that this is um a good idea to to experiment with but you can abuse this technology um and somehow mask um, a plagiarized text so you could indeed um you could Machine generated text and then hand it in as your as your PhD thesis or something like that with only minor modifications. So there are possibilities. There are always possibilities to somehow misuse um, the technology. So I think the 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 question for me is here that um, even by using the technology in the intended way, we have to be very careful. But there is also this even um, more potentially more dangerous um, aspect of that the technology itself can be used for something that we don't want it to be used. But um, I'm an optimist. Um, as long as we have sessions like this, I think, as long as we are transparent about it, as long as we care about these issues, I think we can solve them. So this is why it makes me an optimist.
0: I really appreciate the discussion we've had with uh, Carlo Scola-Lavazari and Niels-Peter Thomas. Thank you very much. Thank you.